What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just stepped into my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. This week, it's all about PlayStation and its most recent showcase event, so let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, anytime any of the top companies in the industry like Sony and Microsoft decide to get together and do a dedicated showcase event of 40 minutes or more, my ears perk up. Because usually it's at these events that some really, really cool, fun announcements happen. Things that we've never seen before, stuff we didn't see coming, a lot of times some things we did see coming. Regardless, this past week we had what I would go out and immediately say was an amazing event from PlayStation and their most recent PlayStation Showcase event. It was at this event they just did game after game after game that really, I was just like, man, I, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I just, every single time the logo pops up and there's a new game coming up, it's just something that I can't wait to get my hands on a dual sense and go on these journeys now. So the way I'm going to approach this episode is typically a lot of times I will do a dedicated episode just on these event coverages, and I'm not doing that this time, but I am going to focus on some specifics of this event that really, really stood out to me. Some trailers and games that were announced and shown off that just really resonated with me. I may touch on a few of the other games that were mentioned, but the ones that really, really got me excited are what I'll spend most of my time on here in this segment. So first off, let me just say that they kicked off the show with a bang. I mean, honestly, I never saw it coming. KOTOR, or Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, that is. The remake coming to PlayStation 5 sometime in the future. There was really no specific date given. And the fact that it was reimagined or remade for the PlayStation 5 as the verbiage that was given there at the end of the trailer... I don't know 100%, I don't think any of us do quite yet, that it's 100% a PlayStation 5 exclusive or if it will eventually come to Series X. But regardless, you know, the way I look at it is the original was only exclusive to the original Xbox. So PlayStation owners for the first time get a chance to really experience this game and its story if they never tried it out on an Xbox console. So really all we did was see Darth Revan turn on his lightsaber and had a voiceover monologue in the background it was really all we needed because it was just about saying hey look boom here it is people have been talking about a kotor remake for years here we go so that was a pretty good way to kick off the show something that was not confirmed and not announced beforehand here we are we are starting this show right now i will say there was a couple of other games tiny tina's wonderland Rainbow Six Extraction, we got a new trailer for. Uh, Alan Wake Remastered that had already been kind of leaked and confirmed before the trailer reveal at the showcase event. Grand Theft Auto V, the gazillionth version of this game, uh, the PS5 version coming uh, here in March of 22. So we got a lot of these kinds of things that were coming up. (sighs) Ghostwire Tokyo got a cool new trailer. I'll be honest with you, the game coming from Tango Gameworks, the studio that worked on Evil Within and Evil Within 2, 
As much as I would prefer an Evil Within 3, I'm still intrigued and interested to see what Ghostwire Tokyo is once it releases. And, you know, I'm always down for something different to at least try and see what it's all about. So it definitely piqued my interest more than the last trailer did for Ghostwire Tokyo. We got a new story trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I can't wait for that game. It really, that was a shocker for me coming out of the Square Enix press conference back in E3, back in June. Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt, that's coming in 2021. One of the two Vampire the Masquerade games that are in development currently right now. Uh, just released PS5 exclusive Deathloop had a new trailer right before its launch. And Radiohead was shown off as teaming up with Epic Games for a Kid Amnesia exhibition. We got an Uncharted 4 and Uncharted The Lost Legacy, the remasters confirmation. That was pretty cool. I actually have never played The Lost Legacy, which I definitely may be swayed to do so finally at this point with this remaster. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe some dual sense features and functionality will really get me excited about it. But it's the final few games that are left here that I want to put some emphasis on. And the first of those games I got to go with is the one that I'm most excited for. And the one that my very dear friend of the show, the Graveyard Gamer over at the Graveyard Gamer Podcast, I know it is bar none, his most anticipated game coming out of this event. And that is none other than Marvel's Wolverine coming from Insomniac Games. Guys, I cannot express to you how excited I am for this game. Now, Graveyard Gamer, he, as well as I, have been a lifelong fan of the character of Wolverine, but this is his guy. I mean, you know, some people, they're, they're Superman guys, or, you know, myself, I, I'm, I'm Batman. But he is Wolverine, and I am so excited for him that this game was announced and it's actually in development, and, oh, all we got, guys, was a cinematic trailer. It's a bar Everybody's been beaten up and thrown around, and there's a song playing in the background as the camera kind of turns and zooms around, and we see a guy that almost immediately you can just tell this is Logan sitting there at the bar, and then some idiot pulls out a switchblade and thinks he's going to come and do some damage to Logan. Well, obviously, we see those claws pop out as Logan's sitting there taking a sip of his drink, and the logo flashes up. Oh man, I am so stoked for this game. There's so many different possibilities that Insomniac can do with it. And that's the other part of it, is the fact that it's Insomniac doing this game. The tender love and care that they've put into the Spider-Man games they've done between Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and just any other game they touch, really. The Ratchet and Clank franchise, obviously. I am so confident that the experience that Insomniac Games puts out is going to be absolutely amazing for Wolverine. It has been confirmed since the event. It's going to be a mature rated product. It is going to be full in on the Wolverine visceral brutality that can come from those adamantium claws. Absolutely cannot wait for this. The combat, the options for upgrades and moves and the story, what are they going to do with that? Are they going to kind of try to twist and make it their own kind of the way they did with Spider-Man and doing a new suit for their Spider-Man and kind of creating this own gamer-verse, if you will, between these different games? Oh, I absolutely cannot wait to see what they do. Uh, obviously, Spider-Man is more of like an open-world Manhattan with different linear areas and environments to go through in between. Now, I feel like Wolverine may be smaller hub worlds that you can kind of explore and go through, but 
you know, me and Graveyard Gamer were talking about it. It doesn't really lend itself for a, a massive open world experience. So I cannot wait to see exactly how Insomniac dissects this character and lore and how they approach it. But I have every confidence it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. So there was no release date given on the game. And that is very questionable. Obviously, we're not going to see it at all this year. It, it very much says that it's very early in development. Guaranteed, we're probably not going to see it next year either. I'm thinking more along the lines of 23, 2024. That's more than likely when we'll see this game created exclusively for the PlayStation 5 from the ground up. And you know, it's this next game that is also from Insomniac. Man, they really just killed it for me at this event. Spider-Man 2 officially unveiled and confirmed. We obviously all knew that it was coming and in development. We just didn't know exactly what it was all going to entail. Yet again, we got just a cinematic trailer, but it was enough to really get me excited about what the possibilities are in this game. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, there was a Captain's Quarters episode I did months back that talked about what I wanted to see in Spider-Man 2 and how what my ideas were of how they could approach the gameplay and integrate both Miles and Peter Parker and maybe alternate between the two or have two at the same time and just different story scenarios they could put them in. Well, bottom line is, based on this trailer and after confirmation since the event, Insomniac has said that, yes, basically what you see in this trailer is the kind of gameplay you can expect from the actual game. So it's very vague, but if you didn't see the trailer, I'm very shocked if by now you haven't, but essentially we see both Peter and Miles fighting together enemies. So I'm assuming that, one, that's insinuating, and based on when you link it with the comment from Insomniac, you're going to have probably, possibly, a Kratos and Atreus kind of back and forth or cooperative but single-player focused gameplay when it comes to the combat. Maybe one is more of a support and the other is more focused on the action aspect. I really think that it's going to be more akin to the way Batman Arkham Knight was towards its end and the way Gotham Knights looks coming up. And what I mean is you can alternate on the fly, mid-combat, to either Spider-Man, which I think is going to be ideal and amazing. But guys, the ball was dropped when Venom showed his face out of the shadows. So that just completely throws it off. And it's like, oh man, so is he going to be playable? Is he just going to be a background character in this game and he'll be playable in the third game? Like, is it going to be one of those, like, subtle references, like, haha, Spider-Man 1, you play as one character. Spider-Man 2, it's two characters. And Spider-Man 3, you can finally play as Venom plus the other two Spider-Men. And uh, I, I don't even know. I can't wait to find out details on this. It would seem that based on the monologue that was playing of someone, as a, whoever the villain may be in this game, is looking for someone who can challenge them. Fans of the comics and the Spider-Man verse, you're going to know that that is none other than Kraven the Hunter. Cannot wait to see how this all plays out. I just really hope, as I had said in my earlier episode, I'm hoping they expand past Manhattan and explore more of the five boroughs around New York City. I just think there's so much opportunity and so many options that the Insomniac could go with here. But man, whoo, between Wolverine and Spider-Man 2, it just, it can hardly get any better than that, right? Spider-Man 2, release date of 2023, we did get that. That is another reason why I feel Wolverine, with no release date, even a year hinted at, I'm assuming, 
I'm assuming it's got to be probably even 2024 before we see it. Time will tell, but those two, man, just absolutely amazing, amazing excitement that I cannot put into words for those two. Now, this next title is one that is from a series, Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo 7 is the specific game here that I'm going to be referring to. Gran Turismo is a series, obviously, like most of us as PlayStation gamers and gamers in general, got into back in the PlayStation 1 era. I jumped on at Gran Turismo 2, but really didn't fall in love with that series until Gran Turismo 3 on the PS2. Man, I put so many hours into that game, mastering every track and trying to go for a gold trophy in every track. And honestly, like a lot of people that I know and have read about online, in addition to my dad, Gran Turismo really taught me a lot about the inner workings and functionalities of cars and engines and different things like that. So I really appreciate Gran Turismo. The years since Gran Turismo 3, though, I kind of fell out of the series because I kind of turned more to an Xbox gamer side of things and played most of my games on Xbox. Haven't really delved into that series in quite a long time, but Gran Turismo 7 is the one that will get me back into it. And let me tell you, I will say the announcement trailer of Gran Turismo 7 last summer, that did not really do a whole lot for me. And anything we've kind of seen teased since then, eh, okay. Forza Horizon really has been just owning that spotlight for me. Gamers, I got to tell you, this Gran Turismo 7 trailer blew me away. Graphically, visually, it looked absolutely stunning. The way that there was one shot in the trailer, it was actually a reflection that you start out looking at, not knowing initially, or at least I didn't, until the camera pans back. And you actually see that you were looking at a scene that was crystal clear and perfect, but it was a reflection in the hood of a car. It just looked insane. And it was not just flashy camera angles and kind of cinematic camera angles done for the trailer. They showed gameplay, and it looked awesome. Not only that, guys, I cannot wait to see what kind of dual sense functionality this game is going to have. Because I can only imagine what a racing game is. A true, built-for-the-PS5 racing game is going to feel like with that dual sense. Shifting gears, the clutch, turning corners, hitting... Oh, oh. I can just keep going on and on and on. Bottom line, I am super stoked for Gran Turismo 7. Cannot wait. I'm very much hoping that we get a release date for that soon. And 2022, if it comes in 2022, I'm telling you right now, if these games that are confirmed for 22 stay that way for PS5, woo, it's going to be an absolutely insane year next year for the PlayStation 5. And anybody lucky enough to have gotten their hands on one at this point. Now, I will say, this next game I want to talk about that just really spoke to me, uh, pun intended here, is Forspoken. Now, obviously, I'm referring to the game by Luminous Productions, published by Square Enix, the one that was shown off in you know, quite a bit earlier in the year at one of Sony's State of Play events. We finally got some gameplay, saw a lot about the character Freya, but we still didn't really get a backstory or, or what exactly is going on here. Is she in Earth? Is she teleported from Earth? Is it Earth in the future renamed? Like, what's going on? Well, we got a four-minute trailer at this event. And, man, it was just... This game is, from the get-go, from its announcement, Project Athia, I thought that it looked amazing. But every su successive trailer has just looked that much even more engaging and interesting. And just got me more hyped and more hyped with each trailer. 
And in this one, you know, we do get some of that backstory on Freya. Looks like she's kind of used to getting bullied, unfortunately, and going through some rough times. And, you know, it looks like her cat is her best friend and talks about moving away to somewhere where they will be accepted, essentially. Well, as fate would have it in the best of fantasy stories, there is a portal that just happens to open up and sucks her right into it and transports her to the world of Athia, which is actually quite beautiful, to be honest with you. And if you've seen any previous trailers for this game, you will know that that is the case. It's an absolutely gorgeous looking world. I mean, the there, there looks to be no pop in. The draw distance is insane. And it looks like it's just an absolute blast to explore and traverse. And what I mean by that is the darting, the dashing, all the different things that you can do across Athia just looks awesome. We finally got a little bit more deeper looks into the combat in this game. It looks like it's going to be your typical hack and slash, block, parry, combined with some spells that you can throw in there for good measure that are elemental. All in all, it looks great. And I cannot wait to get my hands on this game either when it launches in spring of 22. But gamers, it is the game they used to close out this event that really just, oh man, everybody was hoping for it going into the show, and sure enough, Sony delivered on it by the end, and that is God of War Ragnarok. And man, I know it is coming out for both PS4 and PS5, but it looked gorgeous. It looked absolutely stunning. It was really cool to see Atreus a little bit older, the relationship from uh, the first game, how it had evolved and ended, and it looks like it continues to be so. So whereas Atreus was that young, naive, like, ah, dad, you know, I want to do it this way. Now he's kind of a, ah, dad, I want to do it this way, teenager. So uh, we do get that minor evolution, right? Uh, but the bottom line is, guys, it looked great from a gameplay standpoint. That combat, it just brought me back to three years ago, if you can believe it's been that long now, of how good that combat is and how solid that it felt playing as Kratos and throwing and using Leviathan and especially when you got the Blades of Chaos and could combine the two. And it was just pure combat bliss, to be honest. And I cannot wait to explore these villages and see what this new area and world is like to explore. It just looks awesome. I can't wait to see how Thor, what he really does and how he impacts the story of this game. It looks like he'll be the Balder of this game as Balder was the main overarching villain in a sense in the first game. I just absolutely cannot wait to get my hands on this game. So as of right now, they're talking about, of course, 2022, no confirmed dates or anything like that yet. But man, as I stated earlier, 2022 is going to be absolutely insane for the PS5 if all of these games actually do release like they're supposed to as of right now. So absolutely cannot wait. Amazing show, quite possibly the greatest event I've seen yet uh, from Sony, definitely the best one since last summer's PlayStation 5 reveal showcase event. Just absolutely stunning. So that was my catch of the week this past week. Now let's go open up my captain's log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, this past week, I did not get a chance to play as much as I would have liked to. I really, really wanted to have completed Psychonauts 2 by this point. I'm playing it on the Xbox Series X. I wanted to get all 1000G and be back honestly on my quest and adventures with Eivor and Valhalla to try to get at least a couple more story arcs completed in it before moving on into possibly Death Stranding territory when the Director's Cut releases at the end of this month. Neither here nor there, 
I did play 11 hours of the game. I will say that. I did make what I considered some solid progress. Uh, I did complete every collectible and explored ad nauseum at least three out of the four of the overworlds that I have gone to so far. And the mind worlds, man, there is quite a few of them that I went through over the course of that 11 hours. And there was just world after world after world, guys, that was just absolutely stunning in its level design. Overall, this game has just extremely impressed me with the attention to detail within each world and the layout and just how different each one of them is from one another. It's just insanely expertly crafted and is always something fresh and new for you in every single world. And I have loved it. The humor that's added to it and the heart. This past week, guys, it was really less about the humor and more about the heart that really is just Psychonauts 2 is full of that. And I just, I love it, man. It was just very impactful this past week. Uh, Some of the worlds that I traveled to and some of the different consciousness that I was interacting with. It was just, man, this is this is really resonating with me this week. I, there was a, a magical library inside a woman's head that I went through that she was having these split personalities that she broke herself into in order to protect herself. She had different personalities that she would default to in a given situation, and each library room was kind of split up and themed after that personality. And it was just, it made for an excellent, excellent time to explore and an environment to have fun in. Not to mention, there is this area that you come to and you have to do some investigating and get some evidence to be able to progress to the next area. And there are three different locations within this overworld map, if you will. And it was just beautifully designed. Yet again, I can't say it enough. This game is just expertly designed and it was such a blast every second that I put into this game this past week. But before I go into my highlight of the week, which is bar none belonging to Psychonauts and one of its specific worlds, I got to mention that I did play a solid two hours into 12 minutes. Now, if you never heard of 12 minutes, it is that very unique game that was debuted quite a while ago, finally released here recently. And essentially, you control a character. He comes home from work, gets into his apartment with his wife. You're sitting there, and next thing you know, there's a knock at the door. Somebody claiming to be a police officer. Open up. If you don't open up, they barge in. Bottom line is they get inside the house, and they end up tying up you and your wife, claiming that your wife is a murderer. Well, you have only 12 minutes through this whole scenario to figure out how to avoid that happening. Because ultimately, it's going to end with either you or your wife's death, And that obviously is not a good thing. So you're in this constant time loop that starts over and over and over if you have not figured it out yet and you or your wife die. I got to tell you guys, I I spent that two hours. There is, it looks like to be numerous scenarios that you have to complete and progress through to ultimately complete the story in the game. I could not get past the first scenario. I, I, I spent two hours. And I mean, don't get me wrong. One of the things that kept me going was Oh, okay, well now I figured out this time I could use this item in this way or I could ask this topic of discussion and get some answers in this way. And they all lead down different paths, but so far none of those paths, even when attempting to intertwine them, have led to success for me. So uh, after about two hours of doing that, I had to walk away from it. Uh, it's a very unique premise, though. I definitely recommend checking it out at the very least, especially if you have Game Pass, because it is free on Game Pass on the Xbox. But regardless, 
Definitely an interesting time. But now let's jump into that highlight of the week from Psychonauts 2. Gamers, I talked about when playing Psychonauts 2 this past week how much heart the game had and how much emotion was in the worlds that I was exploring and really just the depth and the, the, the deepness of emotion that this game really goes to at a certain point. It just really caught me off guard, but in all the best ways. And my highlight this week is from playing a certain mind world is what I call them. And there's a character named Bob, Bob the Gardener, essentially, is who you'll know him as if you played the game. And you are able to go into his mind world. And it's split up into essentially three different mini worlds that you access from an overall uh, overworld. And from the immediacy of coming out into the overworld, it's an absolute gorgeous visual feast of kind of like a... When you're thinking about color palette, think of a, a nice soft pink or peach color for the sky, this really beautiful yellowish, whitish color for the sand. It, it, think of a beach setting. But think of Super Mario Galaxy in the sense that if you've ever played that game, you know that it's very unique in the way that Mario traverses that world. There are multiple planets that are, you know, balls, and Mario is essentially stuck on the ball and can run around it upside down left right and the ball moves with mario if you will or the planet well think of that as the overworld in this game so as raz is moving around the, the world is rolling around him essentially and there's a point where obviously there's an ocean so you can obviously jump into a boat or a door in this case in, in place of a boat and kind of go to different islands that are around and instead of worlds or planets like in mario galaxy so it's set up in that way and it was just awesome, the way that it was set up as an overworld. But then what happens is there are bottles that you essentially have to gain access to, three main bottles throughout this world. And each bottle houses a certain emotional burden of Bob. And they are themed so uniquely and so amazingly. And I just can't express to you how much they each resonated with me in a different way and the depth of this character, I just, it was, it was amazing uh, what Double Fine had done in this game within <laughs> these parameters. I just, I was blown away by how awesome and enrapturing it was, to be honest. Uh, the theming, there was, a, it ended on a positive note. There was a wedding uh, between Bob and his husband. There was uh, the beginnings of it with the history of him and his mother, and it, it deals with alcoholism and just all kinds of things. I mean, there, there's just some deep stuff going on here. And that entire world of Bob the Gardener, his mind world, was just an absolute joy to play. And again, I cannot stress to you, a guy, I, I can't stress to you enough how amazing the level design is in this game. And in my opinion, it just really, really shone through in these different areas that you go through and these different memories that you relive and experience and help Bob through in this game it's just an excellent excellent game definitely check it out if you haven't but it was bar none my highlight of this past week now let's go open up some buried treasure and see what kind of gaming tips i have for you this week gamers this past week obviously was very heavy for psychonauts 2 for me so it's no surprise my tip is going to be for psychonauts 2 
if there are a lot of you out there that are like me when it comes to most games that I play, I prefer to get 100% in whatever game I'm playing, all collectibles. And if that means that I have to go back and replay a few worlds or missions in order to do so, nine times out of 10, I'm going to do it. Well, with Psychonauts 2, there is that certain concern of, is there going to be an opportunity to, once I beat the game or once I get to the end of the game, that I can reload and go back to different areas and fast travel? Like, what are the options here? And I wanted to go ahead and alleviate any concerns some of you may have in that regard towards Psychonauts 2 by letting you know that, yes, there is, in fact, a very easy and very, it's just a perfect way, in my opinion, of fast traveling back to key points in each world. That could be the mind worlds that I referenced earlier, or even the overworlds of which there are five in the entire game. And you can do these through wormholes. And that's all I will say. I don't want to do any kind of spoilers or anything, but ultimately I wanted to make sure that you gamers were aware that yes, once you get to a certain point, you are going to be able to travel to just about any key point in any world or overworld via wormholes. So that's this week's Buried Treasure Gaming Tip. And it is that time of month for my trophy level progress and my gamer score quest updates. So let's first check in with my trophy level progress to see how successful I was or not this month. Gamers, if you're new to the show and you do not know what I mean when I was referencing my trophy level progress and gamer score quest, essentially what I do is every month I take a look back at what progress I've made in my trophy level or in my gamer score, and I set a goal for myself for the upcoming month. Typically, it's the right smack dab middle of the month episode that releases of that following month, usually around the 12th to the 15th, somewhere in that range, depending on how it falls on a given month. I also have an annual goal that I've set for myself in both trophy level as well as gamer score. But first, let's check out my trophy level progress and see how I fared this past month. So first off, my trophy level was 203, 203 last month at 13% completion. And I gave myself a goal of reaching trophy level 204 by this recording. So was I successful? Well, this past month, guys, I only earned four bronze trophies, and that kept me at a level 203, but it did double my percentage towards 204, so I'm at level 203, 26% complete. I didn't play a whole lot of PlayStation this past week, uh, or this past month, really. I was mostly absorbed into Psychonauts 2 and some baseball on the Xbox, which is why I am where I am at. But I'm going to give myself a trophy level goal for the episode dropping October 12th next month of 204. And the reason I'm keeping it at that level is because, again, I do understand and feel pretty confident based on what my game plan is and games that I want to play between now and then. It would be kind of setting myself up for failure if I did anything above a trophy level 204. And even getting that next 74% to complete that goal of reaching 204 it takes a lot more trophies than it used to because as you guys know if you're a playstation gamer and you progress with trophy level every level that you progress it gets that much harder and more time consuming to progress to the next level so we'll see what happens hopefully i'll get some time a little bit more this next month than i did this past month in my playstation gaming set and make it to that trophy level of 204 
I will say as a reminder, my annual yearly trophy level goal is to reach 205. So I do still feel that that is possible, especially if I jump on some Death Stranding Director's Cut and play a little more of some other games that I have currently on the PS5 that I've had sitting there for a bit. So we'll see what happens. We still have another three and a half months left in the year. I would love to be able to hit that yearly goal if I could. So that was my trophy level progress this past month. Now let's go check out and see what my gamer score quest ended up being. Gamers this past month, when looking into the research for what gamer score I achieved and what achievements were unlocked this past month, I, I was kind of shocked to see that the bulk of what I unlocked came from none other than Psychonauts 2. So I, I started last month, ending the episode at 287,855 gamer score, and I gave myself a goal of 289,000. So not too shabby, you know, about 1145 is all I really needed. Well, I did unlock 43 achievements, but it was only for 645 gamer score, all of it in Psychonauts 2. And that did bring me to a total gamer score now of 288,500. So guys, I was 500 gamer score shy, which really is not that terrible and not too far off a goal. I just had a lot going on at work this past month. And man, I just did not get the time in that I would have liked to and the time frame to reach this goal. So with that being the case, I will say my new gamer score goal for October 12th, uh, the episode hopefully dropping on that date, I'm going to put my goal at 290,000. I would love to cross over into that next 10,000 range and hit 290. And I don't see it being too difficult. It's about 1,500 gamer score. As I stated earlier, I do plan on getting all 1,000 in Psychonauts 2 and then with some other games we have coming out between now and then. It's not impossible. So we shall see if I'm successful in reaching that goal in just about a month. As far as my yearly gamer score goal reminder, You'll know that I have 20,000 as my goal for the year. I want to unlock 20,000 gamer score in 2021. But I would at the very least like to crack 300,000. That would be the ultimate for me is to crack that next 100,000 milestone. Now, I will say that's going to be very tough for me at this point to end up with essentially just about 12,000 gamer score in three and a half months. So a gamer can dream, right? We'll see what happens, guys. You never know. I'm an eternal optimist, so we'll see what happens. But that was my gamer score quest this past month. Now let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, this week I was very much affected by what I had played in Psychonauts 2. And so my decree this week is going to be how deep emotionally should a game go? Now, my decree is this. I say the sky is the limit. After experiencing what I did in Psychonauts 2, and the way that that stylized, almost animated movie design of a game can resonate with me to the point that it did, the sky is the limit. It really, really is. And I think that it also proves that there are many methods in doing so. There are multiple games out there that deal with mental health and 
addiction, and a lot of other things. And I, I think it's just great that in gaming, they can still touch on these topics. And I don't think that gaming gets as not enough credit as it should for being able to approach these topics and do it in such a unique way that is exclusive to gaming. I just, I, I can't tell you enough. I know it was my highlight of the week, but there was just something so special about Bob's Bottles. <laughs> That's the name of his mind world. And it was just an excellent display of writing and what a person can experience in life from a range of emotions. Uh, even going to Cassie, the librarian that I referenced that had split personalities and a different personality essentially for each kind of a scenario that she could default to uh, on her own to kind of protect herself because she had that lack of self-confidence as a person and an individual. I just think these things are so well done and the first Psychonauts kind of touched on this area of mental health and uh, emotion, but man, they really double fine, took it to a different level in this game. And I think it speaks to the power of gaming and to the opportunity that gaming has to be able to reach uh, not just the gaming audience, but maybe there's another audience out there that could use gaming to help them, you know, progress through and, and to feel better about themselves or other things that they're going through. So is how far should gaming go? When it comes to emotion, there is no limit. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox and PlayStation networks. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as find me on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.